cricket is coming and it's time for a bat. We're going to sub some bodies and we'll have a good laugh. Hello and welcome back to Season 2 of Get It Whacked, the Macclesfield Cricket Club podcast. Over the coming weeks and months, we intend to go behind the scenes of Mac CC and meet some of the players and characters at the club, find out some things about them you never knew or most likely never wanted to know, and above all, hopefully have a few laughs along the way. Macclesfield Cricket Club is grateful for the continued support of our various sponsors. Today's featured sponsor is PR Jones Jewellers. PR Jones Jewellers are very proud to be the main club sponsor. They have four shops across Cheshire East, two in Macclesfield, one in Nutsford and one in Nantwich. With over 50 years of experience, they are able to cater for all your needs, ranging from prestige jewellery, unbranded and branded watches, watch, clock and jewellery repairs, valuations, and they have one of the finest selections of engagement and wedding rings across South Manchester. They are currently open for business online at www.prjonesjewellers.co.uk. Michael, David and Grieber Jones would like to wish everyone the best in these difficult times. Without further ado, I would like to introduce today's guest. This man is both a former first team captain and former Cheshire player, having played minor counties for several seasons. A product of the King's School in Macclesfield, he has played cricket all over England, along with five stints in Australia. A former Mac Town player, he was nearly lost to football before coming to his senses and dedicating himself to his true passion, cricket. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr Barney Cutbill. Barney, how are you? Good evening, Miles. I'm very well. Yourself? Yeah, I'm not so bad, mate. Not so bad. A little bit tired after uh, a day of hard graft, but, you know, can't complain. So you're back, back working then? I don't know about that, you know, something along those lines. I mean, I'm not exactly famed for my work as a, as a travelling singer and... Uh, vagrant itinerant musician but um no I'm, I'm i'm getting out and doing a few bits so so that's good how about yourself you had a busy day today yeah it's not been too bad and by the way don't put yourself down that's our job <laughs> yeah it's a busy day it's uh but all good all good good so how have you been dealing with the lockdown it's just been strange hasn't it? i think everyone that's been on on your podcasts um have said the same it's just weird but it's it is what it is now and uh I think probably the best thing that about it is that it's actually delayed this for your um, audience that you haven't had to put up with my dulcet tones now for it's been nearly six months this planning hasn't it well i don't know if it's uh, quite six months barney i think obviously we had you lined up for uh, the, the the first season or the first series whatever you want to call it but um you know when when we got cricket you know, back and, and we were suddenly about to play and I suddenly came up with this idea to start doing the Mac reports. Um, you know, a lot's changed since then and we put the sort of Get It Whack podcast on hold, but I, I always knew I had a, an ace in the hole and a bit of a trump card up my up my sleeve for the first episode of the tricky second season, I think, I, as I described it. So it's it's fantastic to finally get you here and, and as I say, it has been a, a little while in the planning. So, uh, no, it's, it's great to have you here, Barney, and, and we've got lots to talk about and um, some, some great stuff to go through. But uh, before we get to all that, as is customary on Get It Whack, do you want to tell us what you do when you aren't? playing cricket yeah uh well firstly this has been the first cricket season that i've not played any cricket at all since i was seven years old it's been strange but uh when i'm not playing cricket i've got an amazing boy who is seven ethan uh worked for astrazeneca very fortunate to work for them so i've been able to work all the way through uh lockdown uh they're an amazing company to work for and trying now just stay a bit of fitness out on my bike yeah that's about it really well, moving on to a little bit of uh, uh, you know bit of information you've given us there, saying you, this is the first season you haven't played cricket since you were seven, um, it leads us on nicely to what would you say your earliest cricketing memories are? I remember going down to near Bristol where my auntie and uncle lived, and uh, they had a field, and it was on a massive slope. One of their neighbours, a boy who was similar age to me, um, perhaps eight, something like that, and he wanted to play cricket, and I got into it through that. And it was just before I went to King's and then obviously King's opened up a whole world of sporting opportunity. And that's where probably my first true cricketing memories are sort of 
on the bottom field below the old King's Rock block um, that is now unfortunately no longer going to be with us. Did you make it onto the uh, the much vaunted and discussed honours board at King's at all? I think I did. There may have been a Fifer, and I've subsequently made it, made it on through Cheshire. But certainly at, at school, I was much in the shadow of an opening bowler called Simon James, who played a lot for Cheshire Juniors. And then Oldley Edge, who was a very, very good bowler. And really, at that, at that point, cricket wasn't my main thing. It was more sort of rugby and then getting into football when I realised that I wasn't big enough or quick enough to play rugby. Well, as I mentioned in your introduction, um, far be it from me to want to spend any time discussing football. As everybody knows, it's not exactly a passion of mine. You know, you did tell me that uh, you, you spent a bit of time playing at Mac Town, And as I alluded to, mercifully you rediscovered love for cricket or you know fell away from football and fell into the arms of cricket I just thought it'd be interesting to to hear how that sort of came about and and you know hopefully without telling us too much about football. Very briefly went away to university came back started playing Sunday league football somebody through Macclesfield football Macclesfield Town Football Club was watching this game and said well why don't you come along and have a bit of a trial and yeah they must have been desperate enough to to have me for about 18 months but it was a privilege to go there and sort of be underneath uh sammy mack sammy mcelroy used to be at man united he was the manager at the time um i never really made it onto first team but i was there thereabouts played a lot of reserves and it was a privilege to play for him and uh yeah i suppose probably similar to cricket i was good but never good enough and I always had to try to make the most of my talent. And I suppose that is a big thing for me, that you've always got to try and do your best. And in team sports, you may not be the main player, but you can be a big part within the team. Well, uh, you mentioned there briefly that you obviously you went off to university. And I think I'm right in saying you went to the University of Sunderland, uh, where you did, in fact, play some cricket, I believe, for, for Sunderland Cricket Club. Uh, what can you tell us about sort of cricket up in the... The cold, dark northeast. It was an amazing standard. It was a, a real uh, eye-opener, to be honest, because before that, I'd only played school cricket and then a little bit of Presbury cricket in the, in the Mellobraggins. And then going up there, and they had uh, a very wealthy guy who bankrolled them and who brought in some incredible overseas players. So the season before I went, they'd got let down by an Australian and they brought over some unknown from Pakistan called Mushtaq Ahmed. Of course, he he came in. Um, apparently, the wicketkeeper's first words to him was, right, okay, give us a clue when you're, bowl, when you're going to bowl the googly. Which one? I bowl three. And he did it and he said, he was asked, where did you bat? I opened the batting and apparently he was just incredible. Uh, and then the season that I played, and this shows how old I am, the club actually turned down Sean Pollock and got in a guy called Philo Wallace from the West Indies who was just a run machine. And he didn't really bowl, but when he did bowl, he bowled 85 mile an hour. And it was it was amazing. He played up there against the likes of Rion King. There was Corey Collymore. It was Jimmy Adams I bowled at. Wow. It was, yeah, proper eye-opener. And I dare say a bit of an education. Absolutely. And that, again, coming back to, to team sport, cricket, football, rugby, it's the banter in the dressing room, the friends that you make, the relationships, love, friends for life. And it's why team sport is so amazing. Before we come back to uh, to Cheshire and to talk about uh, Macclesfield and, and indeed a little bit about Presbury, I thought it'd be a good uh, juncture to just discuss, you know, as I said in your introduction, your, your five stints uh, abroad in Australia. Firstly, I thought it'd be interesting just to, to tell us which clubs you played for. Probably one of my couple of sporting cricket regrets was going, only going to Australia when I was 26. And I went over to Sydney through um, a couple of guys, one um, Mac lad, Rick, Mr. Rick Shenton, who, uh, along with Chuck Berry, uh, made up or created the, the Weekend is a Coming song. Uh, he was by this time working at the Sydney Cricket Ground. And another Aussie who came over to play at Presbury, who was a very good uh, wicketkeeper batsman, played South Australia under-19s, called Andrew Hawkins. 
So I went over there and they both played for a club called Sydney Rabbitohs. They were in the Shires or Subbies cricket, so level below grade. But at the time, they were bankrolled by a guy called Peter Daffin. And they had three ex-New uh, South Wales grade cricketers. It was an awesome side. And I never played first grade. Um, so I got over there a little bit late. I arrived sort of November, December and got put into fifth grade. And... Uh, yeah, it was a bit of an introduction. So I went into bat at seven. Obviously went out there. Can I have middle, please, sir? Oh, you pommy. Bleep, bleep, bleep. <laughs> I thought, hang on, I'm playing fifth grade here. Fellas, what's going on? Shut up, you bleep, bleep, bleep. <laughs> right, okay, this is how it's going to be then. And I suppose from there that um, brought about my... Uh, mouthiness, shall we say, for a different, uh, for a better, better word. Yeah, I thought if I'm going to get it, I'm going to give it out. So I had, uh, I had three seasons with Sydney. Um, played second grade the, the following two seasons, then a season up at Lakes, uh, down in Lakes Entrance through the Allen family, and then one final season up on the Gold Coast through Broadbeach, which again uh, was through Rick Shenton, who'd moved up there by then. Uh, and played on the Gold Coast, which was um, sensational. So between your, your experiences, I think, as you said, you, you played some shires and some sub-districts, and then obviously moved on to, to grade cricket. Um, obviously, we've had various people on the podcast who've kind of talked about their experiences going over to Australia. Um, what, what would you say you're sort of, as a bowler here, because most of the other people, you know, Cal, Path, that sort of those types of, of talk more from the batting point of view. What, what would you say you found on arrival for, say, playing, you know, subbies and then grey cricket as a bowler? It was tough um, because the the decks were, on the whole, very, very good. I suppose at the time I was lucky I was a little bit younger, bowled a bit slash a lot quicker. Uh, and with the new ball, you had that opportunity of about 15, 20 overs to make the most of it after that. It was just cannon fodder and it was just trying to sit in and wait for the batsman to make mistakes if he came back for a second spell. But it was a real, again, a real eye-opener to be playing full day in the field. So two-day cricket, Saturday to Saturday. Um, and I suppose in many ways it was difficult being a bowler, but it was better in that if you're an opening batsman, you're out first ball one week, you may not bat for three weeks with two-day cricket um so as a bowler you're always in the game um whereas a batsman one one silly mistake and you're out of it aren't you well barney this is why i always say the most sensible people in cricket are bowlers but i'm sure there are a, a raft of people who disagree with me oh dear me yes <laughs> 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 Hang on. Oh, the other thing I must just say before we move on, I know there's one person in particular listening to this podcast uh, by the name of the General Steve Whittingham, who will be extremely pleased to hear that you played for Sydney Rabbitohs. Bearing in mind you are, of course, the Bonitus Extractus, the Rabbitus Maximus. Any thoughts on that, playing for the the, the Sydney Rabbituses? Yeah, it was very strange walking out to bat. And at the time, I didn't always wear a helmet, but walking out to bat with a rabbit on your, on your cap or your floppy hat, and it was like, wow, I'm in trouble here. <laughs> <laughs> very, very good indeed. Well, look, it's, it's great to hear about um, you know your time in Australia. I'm sure we could spend hours talking about some of the experiences uh, but I, I do want to bring it back to Mac and, and, and especially, you know, y your playing career at Macclesfield and indeed Cheshire. Um, but just briefly before we get to that, as you mentioned before, you did play a little bit of cricket for Presbury. Um, and, and I just thought it'd be interesting to know how you made the transition from, from Presbury to Macclesfield and how that came around. Yeah, um, I'd gone to Presbury originally when I was about 15 through a friend of my dad's and I was lucky enough or unlucky enough to meet a, a certain Adam Massey, who at the time was first team captain at Presbury. I went there, played second team to start with and then went into the first team. We had a really good side. We had a couple of good players called Julian Cheatham, who played at Mac and 
and was a good player, was a proper player. Uh, and Simon Montgomery, and then was one of my good friends, Matty Gray, me and him uh, bowled a lot together. But Adam Massey was um, a big influence on me when, when he was captain. Um, and we had a strong side. And obviously then I got into football and we've talked about that. But then I decided to to go to Australia to play cricket and travel and see a different world, really. Um, and over there, obviously, Rick Shenton, who used to be at Mac, played together, trained together. And he um, he said, come on, Barney, get away from Presbury. As good a standard as it sort of is and your mates, go and play Mac in the Prem. Um, and I wish I'd gone earlier. So... 2002 when I came back from Sydney was my first year at Mac um, lucky enough to to come into the team with like of Paul Hughes Danny and Bod Ackley Ronnie who was an exceptional bowler Alfie Steve Moores we had a really really strong side um, and as I say, I wish I'd, wish I'd come earlier. Well, that's great to hear about that kind of transition, really. And um, nice to know that it's all uh, all Adam Massey's fault. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, joking aside, I know you two are uh, thick as thieves, shall we say. And, and, in, and indeed, I can't pass off at this juncture without mentioning the fact that you are, in fact, uh, godfather to, uh, to Jack Massey, aren't you? I am indeed. I'm very proud of it. I can... Uh... Fortunately enough, though, for him, he uh, he's a much better player than than I was, um, and uh, hopefully his cricketing career has got big things ahead of him. Absolutely, and we all look forward to to watching that. Most importantly, he's a great fella. He is indeed. I'm sure you've had your influence, and will continue to do <laughs> so. <laughs> so, obviously, you talked about coming into that Macclesfield team back in sort of early 2000s. Was that a particularly successful time at the club? Um, what, what do you remember about your sort of early years at Macclesfield, if I can describe them as that? Mac had been the most successful team in the 90s. And uh, I suppose when I joined, they hadn't won anything for a couple of years. Um, Ronnie Hillaby had come back to the club for, for this year. I came in. Uh, we had an overseas called Sam Taylor, who nobody had really heard of, but his, uh, his influence in the dressing room was massive. Um, and again, dealing with all the, the characters, the fun, both on and off the field, it was a great experience for me. I can just really remember the, the very first game that I played down at Alton Park, who, who were a very strong side, and we won. Um, and we were going mad in the changing room after, and Sam Taylor just said, right, everyone, listen up. We've just won the first game. That's it. Let's not carried away, get carried away. And it was like this young Aussie telling everyone to sit down, shut up, keep your feet on the floor. And that set us up for the season. And we nearly won the league. And a lot of that was down to Ronnie, but also Sam and, and the captaincy and the team ethic that was that was built in that, uh, that environment. Now, I'm going to uh, skip over for now your sort of journey from from Macclesfield onto some Cheshire representation for a second and just talk about your experiences of uh, of becoming the captain of Macclesfield um, and your sort of initial stint as captaincy um, so yeah how, to, how did you find captaining uh, in in that team and with those players I was very lucky that I had the best captain in the club uh, as a wicketkeeper at that time Paul Hughes helped me immensely um he was not only an amazing wicketkeeper, but allowed me to just bowl and he'd control the field and we'd talk through, obviously, stuff. But he, first and foremost, he allowed me just to bowl and learn and grow into the captaincy role. Yeah, he's a, he's a very gifted cricketer. He's got the smelliest kit in the club, but yeah, he's a gifted uh, gifted wicketkeeper and captain. Yeah, I have to say, having uh, managed to, to rope him into a few appearances from the third team this season, which for the record has, has been uh, as equally useful to me um, and, and the players in the threes as it probably was for you way back when. But um, whilst we've had no changing rooms, which has been a great shame this year, what I can tell you, is his kit 
is still as smelly as anybody I've ever met. Oh, it was awful. And that's outside. He's 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 <laughs> he's a rancid human being. Uh, <laughs> right. Enough uh, enough burying yours for one second. Well, I, I say we buried yours. I mean, we gave him a bit of some plaudits there, and yeah, absolutely. And then put him up to knock him down. Uh, absolutely. Well, uh, there's one other little thing I, I do want to mention from your your time as captaincy. And again, I'm sure we could talk about a multitude of things here, Barnes, but. Um, I believe there is quite an amusing story involving a, a pretty spicy game with Alderley Edge, which was uh, followed by a, a mystery letter. And perhaps this goes back to a, a comment you made uh, earlier about you know your time in Australia and learning to be uh, a bit gobby, shall we say? Yeah, I think it was two thousand and four, um, and we um, we were loud. We had Ronnie and myself bowling. Yours, we had the Ackleys, um, we had Beavis and Tunners as the young upstarts, um, along with many, many other players. Um, and uh, we went down to Oldley Edge, and obviously the local rivals, there was everything went on. And I think also there was a young Craig Melrose playing that perhaps would have been part of it. I'm trying to think if he was part of that or was at Bowden. But anyway, so ended up, we won. It was a horrible game to play in, but very amusing uh, from our side, eventually winning. And um, somebody went to Victoria Road on Sunday and found this letter pinned to the old uh, changing rooms with them, um, quote, I was very disappointed yesterday to uh, to witness the behaviour of some uh, cricketers from Macclesfield Cricket Club. Their behaviour was like a wild bunch of animals. <laughs> and when this got back to us, oh, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the fire for the rest of the season. I mean, you know, on the podcast itself, we've we've heard some pretty good stories and... and uh, Whilst I wouldn't want anybody outside of Macclesfield to think that we are an unruly bunch of animals, but one thing that, that has remained pretty uh, consistent throughout all the people that have been on the podcast is that Macclesfield plays some, some pretty hard and pretty aggressive cricket. And going all the way back to Chuck, you know, um, and the stories about him with Billy and uh, all those people at Upton, all the way through to, to yourselves and... You mentioned Craig Melrose there, who's occasionally had a few a few words to say. Very but, occasionally, yeah. yeah. But I think we can we can all agree that Macclesfield do play some very hard and and at times aggressive cricket, and um, sometimes Barnes people don't enjoy that, do they? No, but I think what I was brought into in two thousand and two was you play it hard, and then you have a beer after, and you you try and make it up. You don't let it fester. You try and have a bit of a chat. And some people call it white line fever. Um, but I can always remember going out. We went out as a team after we got stuffed by Alton Park uh, at Mac. And a couple of them stayed with us for a few drinks. And one particular guy, Paul Berry, who had to go back to Bolton, just said to us, wow, I'd love to go out with you lot when you win. And it was just that summed up. Mac at that time. Play it hard, have a laugh. Yeah, and I, and I think those are things that endure with our with our club, uh, with our club and our cricket. And um, yeah, it might not be everyone's cup of tea. It's something I think we we all enjoy, and and very much so. Whatever happens after the game, we're always looking to to enjoy a beer with the opposition. Yeah, absolutely, and let bygones be bygones and move on. Indeed. Well, look at this point. Barnes, I thought it'd be interesting to just talk about some stats and, and maybe a couple of games and, and appearances for Macclesfield. Um, you know, I like to always ask people about this, and uh, you know, you consider yourself primarily a bowler. Um, any, any, any flirting with that that bowling all rounder title, or do you like to keep your batting well and truly uh, <laughs> down in the cheap seats? I must admit, I prefer it down in the cheap seats. Whenever I have been pushed up the order. Yes, it hasn't really happened. My very questionable technique gets found out. <laughs> well, on that bombshell, Barnes, I think we'll start with the batting stats. Um, 
and unusual caveat. It wouldn't be a podcast if I didn't say usual caveat. I'm sure there are some stuff missing from play cricket. However, it does look like you've got a, some some pretty decent stats here. I mean, we've got 21 games back in 2002, 26 games in 2007. So, uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to think it's pretty comprehensive. I think my best ever batting years were about 2003 to 2006. I think I must have got 600 runs a season then. then. <laughs> <laughs> I smell a rat. Well, look, here they are for what it's worth. Uh, in total, Barnes, you play 256 games with 168 innings, 55 not outs, scoring 1,828 runs with a highest recorded score of 65 averaging 16.1 with 150 um, and I think a pretty respectable 18 ducks. How do you feel about that firstly? I'm pleased I've got over a thousand runs in about 18 years first and foremost. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah I mean listen if I ended up uh, with with those sorts of numbers I'd be pretty pleased. I mean you're considerably better batsman than I am but um, yeah I mean 168 innings 18 ducks I, I mean I'd take that but no uh, you know to be fair you've, you've obviously at times produced some contributions and important innings and there's you know one we'll talk about in a little bit but you know as primarily a bowler I don't think any bowler would be that disappointed with those kinds of those kinds of numbers unless of course you're flirting with that all-rounder status Barnes but you've definitely not good enough for that but, mate. No, you've you've clearly thrown that under the bus. So <laughs> let's let's move on to the bowling. So in total, Barnes, you've bowled one thousand seven hundred and sixty-eight point four overs, and I'm sure you feel every one of them. Two hundred and ninety-nine maidens, three hundred and thirty-seven wickets, with a best bowling of seven for forty-seven, eleven five wicket hauls, an economy rate of four point zero seven striking at 31 and averaging 21 and i think what i would say is the percentage of team wickets is 20 percent um so some really good numbers there um firstly how you know how do you feel about all those numbers obviously i'm sure there's an awful lot more overs in there Uh, i'm disappointed that um play cricket hasn't given me more wickets than craig melrose that's very very disappointing uh, with the amount of left arm filth he's bowled over the years, um, but yeah, overall I'm quite happy with those figures. Yeah, I, I would be. I know, I know I've said this a few times now, but you know, eleven five wicket hauls is very good, and I think percentage of of team wickets at twenty percent, that's really good. And and there's a, several years where you've you've taken over 25% of the team wickets um you know 2012 27% 2013 27% um those those are good numbers and i think anybody would be pretty proud of those so that's uh you know thank you things. it helps when you've got a good wicket keeper and uh, some good fielders to catch on the boundary <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Steve Whitting would have said it if you didn't. Let's, <laughs> let's have a look at the fielding, Barnes. Uh, you know, we've got uh, in total 85 catches. Several seasons you've, you've been pushing sort of eight, nine catches. 2010, you took 11 catches. Did you ever consider yourself much of uh, much of a fielder? How did, how did you sort of rate your fielding? And, and indeed, how did you find it? I suppose uh, trying to be modest, that was... It was a big thing for me fielding because as a as a bowler who bats very little, I wanted to be a really good fielder and to have two out of three strings to your bow makes you a, a better cricketer. So it was something that I tried really hard at um, and worked at. Generally, when I was younger, obviously with bowling, I was down at fine leg or in the outfield and certainly anything that went up, I could catch. As I got older and certainly as a, as a captain, I had to come inside um, the ring and I found that a bit harder. So, um, probably the hardest thing that I found was taking catches off my own bowling. The, the amount of drop catches off my own bowling was just scandalous. And I know that will uh, shock you. You say that, Barnes, but from, from, from one bowler to another, um, I'm, I'm quite the same, actually. I find return catches very hard especially when they're drilled straight back at you I, th- I think being a bit controversial here i always think it's a little bit easier with return catches for for spinners 
because whilst they can be hit just as hard, I think you kind of got a little bit more reaction time. Yeah. It's much easier. When you bowl with filth like Witter's Dove, and you're just expecting it to get whacked, so you're ready for it to come back at you. And well, this, this is why you have seven people on the boundary. I mean, correct, it's, it's yeah. been discussed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, Barnes, it's very good to talk over those numbers. And all joking aside, you know, you've obviously bowled a lot of overs and taken a lot of wickets for the club. Um, I want to talk about a couple of games now. Uh, firstly, a batting performance, actually. And this is from not too long ago, actually. Um, a few seasons ago, uh, you, you, you made a, a, a bit of a an appearance and put a few games together for the second team who were going through a tricky period in the second 11 Prem with a, a very young team at, at times. And from memory, I think you may have ended up post the most runs for the second team that season. You certainly had the best average. I can't remember which one it was. I'm sure you'll tell me in a minute. But uh, we'll talk over this game because it is, in fact, your highest recorded score on play cricket. So this is from the 7th of July, 2018. Macclesfield's second team um, playing Neston's second team, as I said, in the second 11 Prem, which is always a tough standard of cricket, has to be said. Um, Macclesfield won the toss and elected to field. And Neston posted 243 all out in 42.5 overs. And from memory, I believe, <laughs> talking of Bonitus Extractus, you may have come in to bowl three wickets in 0.5 overs, conceding four runs. Firstly, please <laughs> tell me about those. Oh, it was absolute filth. Obviously, I was lucky that they were swinging from the hip and... Uh... Yeah, it was um, hmm, not the uh, the best uh, over I've ever bowled, but certainly not the worst. Very good. Well, that's not the bit we, we want to massively talk about. As I say, Neston posted 2-4-3 with, with three filthy wickets for you. I'm sure they were all caught on the boundary. <laughs> 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 I, actually, I, I remember, I think two of them were bowled. I think you bowled a couple of Yorkers, didn't you? Oh, I don't know. I never let the truth get in the way of a good story, Miles. Yeah. Well, I'm telling you for free. I'm looking at the, t- the scorecard. It was bold Barney Cutbill. Bold Barney Cutbill caught Harry Massey, definitely on the boundary. And uh, the last was bold Barney Cutbill. So there we go. It must have been inside edges. <laughs> now, in reply, Macclesfield uh, didn't get off to the best of starts um adnan was uh up top and probably swinging from the hip never no uh james coombs got, got seven jack massey at three got nine craig Mower is playing that game i believe as a batsman because he was injured and chipped him with 41 the uh the, the lower middle order of yourself and uh and, and yours actually who i think from memory got called in on about half an hour's notice because somebody had injured themselves or couldn't play. Um, I, I won't remind Paul, but I think he got a first baller. And yourself down there at number six, 65 you managed to get. Uh, do you remember too much about this? Yeah, I think um, I went into bat with very few nerves because it was one of the first second team games that I played. It was a privilege to play with Jack Massey, Godson. I've got a picture of me and him in the changing room beforehand and went out there and just thought, you know what, just just play. Play it as like a net. And then we started to get a bit close and then we lost a few wickets. And I think it ended up we needed 20, 25 and Harry Massey came in at number 11. Um um, he did so well. He just played straight, listened to to what the ball was, what I said the ball was doing, and just did it simply. And we ended up we won, and it was such a great feeling. Again, that being an old git and the likes of Harry and Jack Massey, and being in that changing room, and and hopefully little things being passed on. Um, and I think Harry Massey's perhaps similar to me it's such a shame he's not playing cricket anymore by the way but he had real inner desire and he didn't want to let the team down when he came into bat and he wasn't going to throw it away and that said a lot about him and for me my first impression of him was so positive because he was just very positive and very calm out there under pressure um and yeah we won and it was amazing as wins always are very, very good indeed. Well, what I will say is uh, just to 
just to ally some of your fears. I think Harry uh, may have had a season off this year, but um, last time I spoke to him, he was he was fully intent on playing again next year. So excellent, yeah. very very pleased because he's a great lad and he's got serious talent. Thank you for your continued support of the podcast. Since the debut episode back in March, we have amassed over 7,000 unique downloads and been recognised by the ECB with a national award for proactive leadership in the community as featured recently on Sky Sports. The podcast continues to develop and grow and I would like to take this opportunity to thank all of you, the listeners, for continuing to support and engage with the podcast. The podcast is self-funded and we could not continue to create content without the support of our Patreons. Special thanks to Ian Kenny, Tom Radley, Barney Cutbill and Dave Bostock. Thanks also to our most recent Patreons, Andy Moores, Mitch Moores, Anna Jordan, David Cowan, John Kerwin, Vic Herndon, Alex Griffiths, Stuart Parks and Glenn Marshall-Clack. Thank you. For anyone interested in supporting the podcast, please visit www.patreon.com forward slash get it whacked, or you can click on the link in the description of this podcast. Now, moving on to uh, somewhat uh, more appropriate game to talk about, Barnes. Um, This is back in 2011, and I believe you were, in fact, captain during this season. Um, This is a game against Toft from the 13th of August. Uh, Macclesfield first team, of course, playing Toft first team, and this is in the uh, first 11 Prem. Um, Macclesfield uh, lost the toss, and Toft uh, elected to bat they posted 171 all out in 52.5 overs. So I think I'm right in saying, obviously, uh, in the Prem at this stage, you could bat on to 55 overs, uh, should you wish. Um, but in reply, Macclesfield got over the line with 175 for 8 off 51.1 overs. Tight. Squeaky Indeed. bum time. Big squeaky bum time. However, a, a big contribution from yourself, um, I'm sure, firstly with the captaincy, but also with the ball. The first thing I will say is uh, you weren't actually opening the bowling this day. And indeed, uh, you were second change, not even first change. Um, so before we talk about the game and, and what you managed to achieve, um, did you find as a captain, and this is something I uh, sometimes think about, um, did you find as a captain uh, it difficult to necessarily open the bowling with yourself or did you feel a different pressure in in bowling and captaining and whether you wanted to open or you wanted to be a change bowler? I suppose by the time I became captain my bowling had evolved slash deteriorated Um, so that when when I came to Mac I was an opening bowler could push it through a bit could swing it when I became captain, it was in the back of my mind, not only to extend my cricket career, but to try and uh, develop other cricketers and to to try and influence the game in another way. And as captain, you can do that. And I didn't think my bowling at the time was good enough to, to open the bowling. Um, but I also knew that if... For example, a team go away to a flyer, I could come on and I could set myself a field where it was like a 9-1 field or an 8-2 field, something like that, ball one side and try and pull it back. But if the wicket was sporting enough that even an old dog could get a bit of movement, then yeah, I could have my day. And I think this was one of those days. Well, absolutely. Um, Toft, uh, the Toft openers set a decent foundation um, with uh, Henry Hughes scoring 42 and Aaron Sayers 44. Ian Tate and Tom Barron opened the bowling that day. Ian Tate, nine overs, three maidens, none for 25. And Tom Barron, nine overs, two maidens, none for 28. So I don't think they necessarily got off to an absolute flyer, but certainly there was work to be done. Uh, cometh the hour, cometh the man. Barney Cutbill, 17.5 overs, four maidens, seven for 47. And as I say, Toft were bowled out for 171. Do you remember too much about, uh, you know, this innings or their innings and any of your wickets? I can remember it was a damp day. um, And again, that probably sort of played into my hands. Um, The figures that you've talked about for Tatey and Tom Baz uh, were decent. And I'm sure they bowl well, but they were obviously at that stage a, 
awful lot quicker than me, but perhaps weren't getting the movement off the pitch. And I think, uh, again, coming back to, to yours, yours standing up to me would have been a massive part in that. Um, I'm not sure if it was yours or Ben, but if it was Ben, then he'd have been stood up as well. And that was a big, big part as I uh, slowed down in my bowling. Um, and perhaps it just nibbled around a bit and I got lucky. <laughs> I'm sure it was a little bit better than that. I mean, you don't take seven wickets without bowling very well. Um, and and just looking at it, there, there are obviously some, some decent catches. Ben Morrison was, in fact, uh, keeping that day. Um, he took two catches. Uh, Khaled took one and Pete Barron took one, probably both in the slips, I dare say. Um, Ian Tate took a couple of catches. Can't imagine he would have been in the slips. Can you remember where he would he have did, been posted? He did move in. Tate had a really good set of hands. Um, to be honest, Cal, I was probably trying to hide Cal because at the time he was hopeless. He was absolutely hopeless. Uh, couldn't catch a cold. Um, good job his batting was a bit better. Um, so I think Cal was perhaps on the boundary trying to hide him. Um, Tate had probably moved into the slips. Um, and took a couple later on. But we had a really good uh, set of slip fielders at that stage. Um, pains me to say it, but Ports, it went to him and he always caught it. Um, Huffy would be around at that point, I think, at that point, who was an excellent point fielder. Path goes without saying, uh, excellent pair of hands. Shame he was always at LBW. Um, yeah, we had a good side. We had a good side. And uh, fortunately, fielding was very strong, which would have helped me to seven wickets. Very, very good. And uh, just for the record, Macclesfield did run out winners. As I said, 175 for eight. They chased it down in 51 overs. Um, I'm afraid to say... For you and I got a duck that day, didn't I? <laughs> I'm afraid to say I am going to have to spoil <laughs> this game for you because you were LBW to Nigel Muirhead. Who, oh, not to Nigel as well. Yeah, oh, it's, no. it's, it's fair to say he's not the worst bowler in the world. Barnes, no, so. darts. Is, um... Yeah. Well, look, moving swiftly onwards. Uh, I don't think I've said that yet this episode. Um <laughs> Now, we've talked about some max stats and and some games, um, and I do want to talk about Cheshire now. Um, But before I say that, uh, I have a bit of a first for the podcast. Um, To my knowledge, Barney, in in 31 episodes we've done, you are, in fact, the only ever person to send me notes about my podcast for somebody else. Normally, it's me asking people to prepare and uh, asking them for some information. But you did all the hard work for me. So firstly, I want to congratulate you on um, being uh, very prepared and sending me notes about your podcast. Um, But there's a couple of quotes I want to talk about here. The first one, when I was giving you stick about sending me notes, was uh, you said, fail to prepare and you prepare to fail, which is uh, very, very wise words, Barnes. But the other one I'd like to read is is a quote that you actually put on and said handwritten notes, which you sent to me on WhatsApp. I would never have played for Cheshire if Mark Hillaby wanted to. He was a much better bowler than me. Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> Whilst I admire the fact that, you know, you're, you're a big, brave man and you say that, I do think you are clearly doing yourself a bit of a disservice there. Let's not beat around the bush. Ronnie um, was uh, an incredible bowler and his records and figures speak for itself. He was ten and a half foot tall. He should be a bloody good bowler. (laughs) Well, as you've just said, it takes all sorts. (laughs) You know, when it was wet and nibbling around, you were there with your seven foot. But um, no, joking aside, mate, I just want to talk about um, your sort of path to Cheshire selection. Um, And please, without saying that the only reason you played is because... Ronnie didn't want to. I suppose, um, in all seriousness, um, apart from that, I came came to Mac and um, first couple of games, we got over the line in two really tight games. Debut was against Alton Park, down at Alton Park. Um, and I think because I'd come back from Australia quite late, uh, Yoz hadn't seen me bat. Um and so instead of putting me at 11, put me at 10 and himself at 11. Um, now, we 
ended up chasing and I can't remember how many, but we needed, say, 30 to win for the last wicket. And nobody expected us to do it. Um, Alton Park especially didn't. Um, we were getting abused out there. And especially when I snicked on the short end, I snicked one for six over about third slip's head. And Yoz and I got us through and we won the game. Um, we've talked about before with Sam Taylor in the dressing room, we went feral in the dressing room. Um, one of the loudest songs ever. And it was my debut. Um, and then the, the following week, we played Oldley Edge at home. And it was almost a, a carbon copy, except probably a lower score scoring game. Uh, I think we were chasing about 130. And again, we were, I'm guessing, 100 for nine. And Yoz and I did it again. And so this, obviously, along with a couple of wickets, perhaps got the, the attention of, of people. Um, and so ultimately ended up with me getting a call up to Cheshire, which I was very, very proud of, simply because Ronnie didn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's the last time you're allowed to say that on the podcast. Okay. Um, I, I, unfortunately, I, I was struggling to find lots of the sort of Cheshire records and, and statistics. They don't seem to be on play cricket. I'm sure they're out there in the ether. But um, you know, it wasn't uh, it wasn't something that I could excellent. Does that mean I'm allowed to over elaborate? <laughs> well, you can fill your boots, pal. But um, <laughs> uh, do, do you know how many times you played for Cheshire? No, I don't actually. I'm afraid, Miles. Um, off the top of my head, I know that I played a few one days. I played a number of three days. Um, I was very much in and out of the team because, as I alluded to before, depending on people's availability. Um, I would get brought in or dropped accordingly. And I was comfortable with that. I was well uh, aware of my ability compared to others. But certainly when I got picked for Cheshire, I was very, very proud to do that um, and gave it my all. And I can remember my debut over at Blackpool um, against a team that... uh, had Saj Mahmood and Gareth Cross in. Um, we had an awesome game of cricket against them and we won. I only took one wicket, but I took a full-length diving catch at, at full pelt. I, honestly, to this day, I don't know how I caught it. And friends of mine still bring it up, said, Barney, do you just close your eyes? And yeah, I probably did. But I think that was a, a big, gave me a push to then start playing three-day stuff along with my batting um, for Mac in those first couple of games. Fantastic. And, and I know, um, you know, you, you're very proud to have played for Cheshire and, and I know you're also very proud to have made some some very good friends along the way. Um, you know, firstly, I, I would say, are, are there any sort of key performances or, or memories from any games you want to discuss and, and also perhaps some of your, your teammates and, and people that you've played with over the years? Oh, I could talk um, a lifetime over this, but obviously I don't want to bore everybody. Um, again, just... Very proud to to play for Cheshire. I think um, my debut on the three days we played Herefordshire away, and um, they batted first. It was ninety overs. They they had compulsory declaration. There was then three over sort of turnaround, and then we had seven overs to bat that night. And um, I thought, right, I've bowled here. I've taken a wicket. Um, run around, I can have a bit of a sit down and Skipper Albert said, does anyone fancy being night watchman? Looked around and I'm undoing my boots and nobody's put the hand up. And I went, well, yeah, go on then, me. Right, you're in, Barney. And I was thinking, right, okay, why why has nobody wanted to be night watchman? And so anyway, I was strapping on my pads and just about got outside. See, uh, second or third ball, I opened out to this bloke throwing down absolute lightning bolts and I was thinking oh my word that's why nobody put the hand up right I'm going out here uh, and I'm batting number three for Cheshire and I got out there and honestly I never saw the first three balls he was as quick as anything had faced probably quicker I think um Rion King up in Durham had, had something similar but the, he was rapid do you know who it was that was bowling he was a guy called Phil Thomas, um, and he played a bit for Worcestershire. Um, he'd actually, I think, 
when I've done my bit of prep for this, he'd taken five for against the West Indies. And uh, the wording was a phenomenal pace. And honestly, if he'd bowled straight at me, I'd have never seen it. The first ball, I can remember sort of leaning forwards. As a true tail ender, you've got to get on the front dog, haven't you? And I think probably I sort of played the shot and it hit the keeper's gloves about 30 yards back and everyone was like, and the slips was giggling away. Oh, and I'm thinking, Christ, that was quick. Next two balls, didn't see them either. Unfortunately, the only reason why he hadn't played an awful lot of county cricket was he was a little bit erratic, which made it a bit more frightening as well. But it certainly tuned my mind in. And I love pace on the ball, but this guy was quick. But yeah, the following day, we, I think we ended up two down overnight. And we had another night watchman sent in, Seamus from Chester, which again just summed up our, our captain and um, so Albert, Smurf, uh, Renshaw, the pro, all slid down the order because they didn't want to face this bloke. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up, I got 46 before I think he sent my off stump cartwheeling about 20 yards back. And it got me a uh, Kookaburra sponsorship by number three for Cheshire in minor counties. <laughs> I hope that you're still dining out on new gear from Kookaburra every year on the back of that. <laughs> I got a few years out of it before they realised that I was absolute tosh. <laughs> before they realised they should have been sponsoring Mark Hillaby, that's what you should have said. <laughs> <laughs> he was even worse than me with the bat. <laughs> Well, you're only saying that now because he doesn't bowl anymore. <laughs> very, very good. And as I said, maybe um, any any words about any of your teammates or your sort of friendships you've made through, through Cheshire over the years? I suppose some really great friends. Albert, uh, Andrew Hall, um, who has played, carried on playing. Um, he was the... <laughs> probably this year, one of the strangest wickets that Chris Moores has ever taken, I think. Um, when he decided that he couldn't see the ball and turned round and knocked his bail off. Um, what a player he was in his pomp uh, and a very good fella. Um, Danny Leach, Jason Whitaker, Robin Fisher from Chester, friends for life. And probably very similar to Mac, we had a at that point um, a team bonding, a team ethos of have a few drinks, have a good time, but go to bed and make sure that you're ready in the morning. And we did that (laughs) in a solid way. Yes. (laughs) Very, very good indeed, Barney. Well, it's it's really great to hear about, obviously, Macclesfield and and some of you Cheshire cricket. As you alluded to, we we could sit here and talk for hours about this but i think it's great just to get a flavor of of not only you know your experiences and um you know your time at macclesfield and with cheshire but also about the way in which you you view the game and and as i say you're, you're a very very passionate man when it comes to your cricket um and i know you're incredibly passionate about macclesfield cricket club full stop um as anyone saw the recent video package from the ecb can tell um I just thought it'd be really interesting. What was that about, Miles? Please, <laughs> please do elaborate. <laughs> no, absolutely not. We're not wasting any more time on the podcast. No, let me. I, I was um, again very proud to to do that for you because I think what you did last year or this last season, as I said on the on the day, you sort of brought the club together. You created a platform off your own back. You you didn't have to do it, but you created a platform for people within the club to to talk about not only themselves but also the club but did it in such a way that to um sort of yeah you could have a joke about your own cricketing performances abilities and you during a very difficult time for everybody uh you gave us all banter shanter laughs created a bit of chatter uh and that's what team sport again does. It creates relationships, bonds together. And uh, so I want to say thank you very much for your your work. Well, thank you, mate. I, I wasn't trying to team myself up for, for some praise from you. Quite the opposite, but it, it, obviously I, I do appreciate everything you, you've just said. And indeed, I still can't you... believe I'm only on Series 2, though, and Craig Melrose got on to Series 1. 
<laughs> well, going back to what I was trying to ask you before you rudely interrupted me to praise me. Um, as I say, you know, you're a very, very passionate man and very much so about Macclesfield Cricket Club. Give us your take, if you will, on, on what makes Macclesfield Cricket Club so special. I think for me, the it's the characters uh, around the club, whether that is the Morse family, the Ackleys, the Yozzies, the going back to the Ben Morrisons, the Khalids, Towley, Chuck, Ronnie, the Overseas, but then the Griffiths, the Burdikins, the Moors, the Knights, the Bradshaws, the Masses, the Faircloughs that pull the club together. Tandy, what an amazing person she is to all the work she does. You get people that are passionate about it because it's been a club that historically was very strong and then went through a difficult period where facilities weren't as good as they should have been. But we're very, very lucky to have an amazing ground um, and a natural amphitheatre that when you look out from that balcony in front of the pavilion, you're naturally looking down onto the ground and it's amazing. And that creates an opportunity for people to talk, to bond, to laugh, to take the mickey, for all of that. And then as now with the, the considerable work of um, Simon Griffiths, Roger as well, Burdekins back in the day, there's been so many people that have now got the club to where it is. And that is now an amazing playing surface, not only the main ground, but also Parkside. What a great second ground that is. Okay, there's a couple of swampy bits, but that work is being going to get done. But now with the electronic scoreboard, the new nets, courtesy of Simon Holding, GF Holding. Thank you very much, Simon, for all your work. Um, Malcolm Ward did buy a brick. All the sponsors, people really pulled together around the club. And it's now such a great place. What we need now is the first team to get back into the Prem and to be a force within Cheshire cricket. I think anybody that's just listened to that will, will now know, if they didn't already, you know, as I said, what, what passion you do have, not only for cricket, but also for Macclesfield Cricket Club. And I, you know, congratulate you for everything you've done over the years and continue to do um, behind the scenes. But you've you've led us nicely on to, to one of my final questions here, Barnes, which is um, aims for next season and indeed the seasons to come. Seasons to come, wow, at 47. Well, um, A, to play again. I would like to play again next year, whether that is um, in the dizzy heights of the seconds or uh, under very astute captains, captaincy in the thirds. Is is Carl David Burgess coming back, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sorry, you... Burge, I had to abuse you. I had to get you in there. You you fired some shots in this episode, Barney <laughs> Um Yeah, just to, to play again, because I love the game. Um, and hopefully one day in a few years' time to do what Yaz and Port and Tony done is to, to play cricket with their son. Um, I would like Ethan to to play cricket. If he doesn't, he doesn't. That's fine. But that would be a real goal of mine. Fantastic, Barnes. Look, I must say, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. We finally got you here. And, and what a great way to begin our, our second season, the tricky second season. Um, and finally, before we wrap up the podcast, Barney, any closing remarks? No, I think, um, as I said to you before, thank you very much for all your efforts over the, the last few months to pull pull this all together um, has taken considerable dedication and also enthusiasm and and that's what you are very similar to me you you're such a, a cricket badger you you love it um, and pulling the club together the team together to to make or create enjoyment for for the people so thank you Bonnie thank you very much indeed as I say, it's been a great pleasure and I look forward to seeing you in due course. All the best. Thank you very much, Miles.